Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show 134, released on February 24th, 2016. My name is Steve Eunice, and I'm joined by my good friend Scotty V. Hi, Scotty. Hello, Steve, and hello, everyone else. How's it going? Going well, and we should mention, as always, that we are sponsored by our good friend Patrick O'Neill. So thank you, Patrick, for your continued support. Thank you, indeed. How's your uh, month been? It seems like it's gone past fast. I know it's February and it's a short month, shorter than usual. Uh, or actually, February this year is a lot, uh, it's longer than usual because it's 29 days and a leap year, but it just seems to have gone fast, gone, gone by so quickly. Yes, it's uh, flying by. I, mm. uh, I feel like February just started, and thankfully, and where I am, uh, February is generally the coldest month, so I'm kind of glad that we're getting wrapped up with it. And uh, we'll be able to say uh, that, well, we actually are able to say that this is the final podcast that we will be recording before we see Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Mm-hmm. Yay, there was much rejoicing. <laughs> well, I mean, that's if we go see it uh, when it's first released, uh, as uh, we probably will be. Uh, it's uh, Our next podcast is due out on the 30th of March, and obviously the movie gets released on the 25th of March, so... No doubt we'll be uh, talking about that uh, coming So it'll be an entire podcast pretty much just (laughs) talking about and reviewing and being excited about the movie, I would guess. Oh, well, let's hope. So uh, that's that's, uh, the plan at this point in time. Uh, We'll see what happens. But uh, Well, based on what we're hearing online, I'm sure the movie's going to get pulled. They're going to scrap it. They're going to do a Batman film, and uh, they're going to give up on everything else. (laughs) Let's get into what we uh, have solidly to speak about uh, rather than rumor and speculation and that is uh before we uh, since the last time we recorded our podcast uh the new and final trailer for batman v superman was released it ran over uh, two minutes so two minutes i think 16 seconds was the official uh, time on that trailer it uh, was very batman heavy to start off with you did a a reaction video on uh, a great scott in the speeding bulletin recently uh any any thoughts um, beyond that that you've had since uh, posting that? Well, I watched it again after I did that, and and although there are some cool shots of both heroes, I feel like from a personal standpoint, this is my least favorite trailer. I don't want to say I hate it, but okay. it really comes across that Batman is indeed the one set upon in this movie, and the one that uh, we need to root for, and the one that's the underdog, and the one that's trying to fight a god. And uh, at the end, when we get that cool shot of him blocking Superman's punch and Superman appearing to be shocked, uh, I think that that sets a bad tone for me because it makes it appear that that's uh, what we're all waiting for in the movie. Mm, I understand where you're coming from. It did, this was very much a Batman-heavy trailer. It started off with him and Alfred. Uh, Which I love, by the yeah, way. It, it was, from a Batman standpoint, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, and uh, the fight scene sequence and all that kind of stuff was really well done. Uh, then it moves into some other things, as you mentioned. We do get to see more of Superman and uh, Lois Lane. I like the, you know, that we get Clark loosening his tie. Are we going to get a shirt rip? Who knows? We see him and Lois playfully in a bathtub, which was very interesting. Uh, we even see our first look at Lo- uh, Martha in this uh, trailer, and I think I mentioned on uh, Radio KAL Live uh, recently that uh, she's once again dropping something. In Man of Steel, she got shocked by uh, the light exploding behind her when uh, Zod's message came on the screen, and she dropped a bowl of apples, I think it was, and 
Here she is dropping something again, getting shocked, turning around. Uh, but it's good to see Diane Lane in this movie. I guess we're learning that Martha in this universe is a bit clumsy. <laughs> uh, we did see her in another trailer because everybody was yelling about the fact that she shouldn't have said what she said, just like they were yelling about Jonathan saying maybe in the original trailers right, and in right, the yes. movie Man of Steel when she says you don't owe anybody or whatever, do what mm-hmm. you want. Uh, there is it is it is a very different kind of take on what you traditionally think of as Jonathan and Martha Kent. They're not uh, they're not all gung ho, go out there and do the right thing and go out there and save people and go out there and risk your neck. Uh, they're very much the protective parents and they're they're they very much feel for him mm. as their child as opposed to uh, having a more worldly view as you might think of them traditionally. Uh, but as a parent myself, I can definitely see where they might be coming from in terms of uh, you want to you, when 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 your child's heart is breaking your heart is breaking when when your child is injured you are injured so to see him get beat down to to see him uh, get emotionally attacked by the people on the council by the people of earth i i could certainly understand where a mother would say you know what screw those people screw them mm. i know who you are you know who you are we don't need to worry about them uh, so I think people need to kind of take it that way as opposed to that's not Martha Kent because she's saying, you know, who cares about Earth? Yeah, no, she's not being heartless. She's just taking care of her son first and foremost. Right. That's the way I kind of took it. Same with Jonathan in the first movie. Mm. I, I don't think he ever said – ever would mean to say, uh, yes, let all these little children die. But uh, when it comes to who you have to choose, parents will generally – have to choose their own child before they say, well, yes, risk your own life to get everybody else out of there. No, protect yourself. And if you can't help anybody, that's great. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, this isn't about the final trailer. This is just about the feeling of the Kents. And I thought that the I thought that the Batman stuff, which I'm not looking for, was really great. And I've been saying since Ben Affleck was cast that I think he's going to be the best Batman. Uh, I think that the fight scene was the best I've ever seen. Uh, I love the plane. I think this is going to be the best Alfred. I love his dialogue there. I love their little um, jokey kind of uh, uh, cutting on each other back and forth type of a thing. Mm. I, <clears throat> I think it's a relationship we haven't really seen with Batman and Alfred, and I've noticed it in the comics. So uh, that it's there is really – I like whenever they get a little closer to what I have read over my 25 years or 30 years of reading comics. I I like that. So – that's great. Uh, what I don't like, as I said, is that it certainly seems like we're going to get as close to an even battle as we can, although there are many shots in this trailer of Superman throwing Batman around. Yeah, definitely pushing him away and kicking him through a roof and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's obviously concentrating on certain aspects in this trailer. But again, you know, we have to wait and see the final product and it's not that far away. So we'll make a final judgment once we've seen it all in context. Uh, additional TV spots uh, were released uh, with some footage that uh, I thought were really well done. I was really, really impressed with this Turkish Airlines promotion that they're tying in. They're the official airline for Batman v Superman. Um, they've you know, got TV spot with uh, Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne promoting Gotham as a destination they fly to. Then they've got Jesse Eisenberg promoting Metropolis as another destination they fly to. There's uh, time-out guides with maps and, you know, restaurants and, you know, ent- uh, entertainment and 
all this kind of this whole guide about where to go and what to see and what to do in Metropolis and Gotham. They're written and um, you know produced by um, you know really professionally. They've uh, got a competition about you know being able to fly there and see the world premiere or the New York premiere, uh, being able to go on the red carpet and photo bomb with Jesse Eisenberg, be able to all these different things. There's, there's so many competitions and things out there, but the Turkish Airlines one. I thought was really, really well done and very impressive. It was very impressive. It was as if it were an actual ad for mm. an airline company with real businessmen speaking about going to their respective cities. Um, it was obviously high def. It was highly produced. It was um, just very – I mean I was surprised that both of those actors would participate in an ad campaign like that. Maybe it's part of their contract. I don't know. But mm. I like to see them involved and it made complete sense. As much as we might like to see Clark Kent – or uh, Superman, uh, he's not really an ad man or a spokesman for businesses no. or for uh, commerce or for anything along those lines. So having your Lex Luthor and Bruce Wayne being the the representative of their cities as being heads of business makes complete sense. And uh, I, I thought they were both, uh, as you say, very well done. Yeah, I was really impressed with how they've been put together, the whole package, you know, the as I said, not just the TV commercials, but the, the website. Um, you can, you know, uh, go into a contest worldwide to, uh, you know, win flights to, and they, you know, and I say this with, with tongue-in-cheek, to Metropolis and Gotham. Um, you know, it's, it's, the, the aeroplanes themselves have been designed with all the logos and, and promotional material on them. So they've really gone all in with this, and I was really impressed. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, speaking of ad campaigns and marketing, uh, part of the reason that Deadpool was so successful, from what I understand, is that their marketing cost them so very little. There was there was almost none at all, which I don't quite understand. But it was all kind of social marketing and Ryan Reynolds on Twitter and releasing these personal pictures of him in the costume doing weird things and just kind of being at places across the country and things. And apparently that was enough to – you know, but then when you have movies like Man of Steel or this, I'm certain, have a giant budget for marketing to where Man of Steel has been written to have had a negative one return at the box office, 1%, because because the marketing was so absorbent. But that's not necessarily true because there's no actual number that's ever released from these studios of what the marketing really is. But that was a guess based on many different, I guess, people in the industry's experience on what it might have been or what it should have been for a movie of that magnitude. Same with this. It's such a huge movie. It already costs so much for the effects or whatever. Uh, you've got a high-profile cast, so it's very expensive to produce. And then, as we've seen, there are 10 or something different television spots. Uh, they've been all over the place, which I don't know if they have to pay for that or not. Uh, they've got this Turkish Airlines thing going, which may be more like a social networking thing or not. I don't know where you can see those other than online. Uh, but I but I wonder when I hear that, that Deadpool did something so successfully when other movies have failed to keep their marketing budget low enough to make money, uh, why other movies aren't doing the same type of thing. If that's so successful, why not, why not follow that kind of a model? Mm, it's an interesting, I guess, debate on hey, you know, the way what is successful, what is... A how to market a movie, you know, social media, all that kind of stuff. It's a, a different world these days to what, you know, you should just put up billboards and TV spots and that would be enough. Now there's a whole different 
you know, where are the eyes of their audience? Are they online? Are they on Twitter? Are they on Facebook? So I guess it's a, it's a, an interesting dance that they have to do with their marketing and their, and their promotions. But, uh, it, it, you know, the Turkish Airlines one, I think, has really done a, a fantastic job. I'd never heard of Turkish Airlines really before this. They weren't on my radar. Um, I haven't flown with them, and I, I don't know if they fly out of Australia. But it's, um, you know, they are now uh, an airline that I'm familiar with. Yeah, me too. I at first when I started watching, I wasn't even sure they were real. I yeah. thought, I thought maybe it's a thing for the movie and Wonder Woman's on the plane in that part, and so they made this whole thing. But uh, I, I, you know, I, I did <laughs> before I did my Great Scott or whatever where I talked about it. I did this whole research thing where I had to look it up, and <laughs> I found out it was a real company since like 1926 or something yeah. like that. It's been around a long time. So well done to them. Now, more promotional material for Batman v Superman is out there, and they're in the way of IMAX posters. Uh, a first IMAX poster was released pretty much around the time that the, the new trailer was released, and uh, it shows a pretty dynamic image of Superman and Batman, you know, standing toe-to-toe, about to throw punches at each other. And uh, not long after, alternating uh, images of similar type of stance were released of uh, Superman... You know, the back of Superman looking at Batman as the punch is about to be thrown. And then the other one's from the flip side with the camera, say, behind Batman's shoulder looking at Superman about to throw the punch. Uh, So uh, it's uh, a pretty unique way of doing things. I haven't seen this kind of thing done before. And, you know, I mean, it's a a very comic book style uh, promotion. You know, you always see these images of characters, of covers on comic books of, you know, punches about to be thrown. And uh, I think uh, these look pretty good. Yeah, I like all of those posters. I, I I would I could see myself having those, framing them and hanging mm. them up and you know, where I have my other stuff. They're they're very uh as you say, comic book almost like a a, a cover yeah. uh, of a comic book. Uh the newest one that I've seen in my in my local theater is uh the one where their two faces are facing each other. The longer one, the uh, the not normal poster. Yeah dimensions the the the, the longer Landscape. kind of widescreen one. Yeah. Uh and I like that one too. And then uh, I guess we have these uh, these new ones that were kind of an underground thing that that uh, was initially just released from someone taking a photo at a press event of some kind. Yeah, there was. Well, we knew that there was the, the Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman ones, and I'm talking about the ones where it's the, like a full body shot, and they've got a red version of their particular logo, you know, in the middle of the poster. Uh, and then we saw this underground uh, um, car park, a garage at LA Grove. I'm not even sure what that location is but uh it was really decked out in all the different posters and images and banners and billboards and things and then you've got these series of posters of as i said superman wonder woman and batman but you've also got ones for alfred lex luthor and lois lane gets her own poster and they've all got their own well lex has got his lex corp logo you know the x uh, over his poster you've got um alfred's got the um wayne enterprises logo over his poster and lois lane's got the daily planet logo over her image, so uh, they're all very dynamic, and it's great to see that uh, they're all get, you know, these characters, especially Lois, are getting their own posters. I love the fact that they're all getting their own posters. I like that there's a Lex poster, and and I heard people people complain about everything, I guess, but I heard people saying, "Oh, isn't it great that the three main characters, you know, get who they are as their logo, and two of them get to be corporate shells for a company, and uh, or three of them do, and the other one gets a logo of somewhere they work that has nothing to do with them. Uh, um, 
I think that the logos have everything to do with them. Uh, you know, Wayne, uh, Bruce Wayne is the head of, of, of Wayne Enterprises and uh, Alfred works there too, kind of. And, and you know, Luthor, his whole persona is his businessman thing. And Lois, you know, is, is synonymous with the Daily Planet. So it makes complete sense that those would be – they don't have logos. You know, they don't have a big S that they wear on their chest. So what else would you put there? Her name? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's strange what people complain about. But, yeah, I thought it was, it was fantastic to see these – uh, poster images and uh, very impressed with all the the amount of posters. Let's hope they do release these uh, to the yeah, public I, to be I, able to purchase. Yeah, I, I would like to get some copies of those. Uh, they're 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 neat. You know, we got the uh, mini IMAX posters when we went to the IMAX event back in what was it April mm-hmm. or something? Wow, it doesn't feel yeah. like it was that long ago that I went to that, and then here we are, almost a year later, about to see the movie. Uh, but they were the mini ones, and I'd like to get full size you know, of those. I don't know where I'd put them all the way down a hallway. There's so many of them and they're so big. You'd have to take up your whole, uh, your whole wall space, uh, putting those up, but I like them. So yes, I'd like to see those, uh, released as actual posters. Yeah. Now, uh, there was an interesting scenario about the time when the trailer was released, this final, uh, trailer for Batman v Superman, where there was this big announcement about his big good morning, Amer- good morning America event, that Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill would be special guests and there'd be some massive announcement or, you know, something to to shock you. And then it was cancelled. And then it was, the trailer was released and online and and then it was put back, the GMA thing was put back on for the Tuesday rather than the Monday as it was originally planned. And it ended up being very anticlimactic because it was like a two-minute interview with Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill and answering the stock standard questions about their characters in the movie and their roles in it, and that was it. So I wonder whether or not the trailer being released online, officially, not leaking, um, was kind of like a slap in the face of GMA, and they said, no, no, we're pulling this, this is not going to work out the way we intended, or, or what happened? I don't know. There's no, never been any real speculation or you know, answer as to why you know, it was kind of put the, pulled out and then put back in in the way it was, but uh, a, a very strange turn of events. Well, it's weird. When was the NBA All-Star game? Because I just watched it last night. That was before night. the uh, GMA event. Okay, because I had it recorded. And on there, they show the trailer, and they say for the first time the worldwide release of the newest Batman v Superman trailer, and they show the new trailer, and then they go to them at the at the desk, and they talk to them for a while. Uh, and I also thought that one was kind of lame, mm. and the Good Morning America one was kind of lame. Uh, and maybe because I had already done my great scott and seen the trailer and and as you say they're answering stock questions and then they started talking about athletes and sports and making jokes toward each other and it didn't really have that much to do with the movie at all Uh, so it was a little bit silly and Shaq got involved and you know charles barkley was there it was just weird uh but they did show the trailer there so i'm wondering if that was the was the actual world premiere of the trailer and and if if as you say if Good Morning America thought that they were getting the exclusive release of the trailer then they didn't um, uh, maybe they said well you know Stop. that was going to bring us ratings and now we don't care <laughs> yeah I don't know it was uh, it was strange because they were all hyping it up and it kind of fell flat but um, as you said the NBA All Stars uh, interview was also around about that same weekend so 
Very strange uh, the way it all panned out, but uh, good to see the guys out there doing promotions and interviews and things, and they seem to have a good rapport with each other. And uh, there was a, a just recently an, in, uh, a video from uh, Henry Cavill interviewing these little kids, asking them who they prefer, Batman or Superman. And uh, it's very cute. Henry's um, very playful with the kids about the ones, especially the ones who you know choose Batman over Superman, and he's trying to persuade them. And the kids who do choose Superman, he gives them high fives, and he's like, uh, you know, really, he's 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 really playing it up for the camera and uh, for the fans. It's it's uh, pretty cute to watch. I didn't watch it because I my heart couldn't take every child in America <laughs> saying Batman, which is what I kind of expected to be. It's funny because a lot of the kids saying, especially these two little girls are saying, oh, they love superheroes because they can fly. They can shoot lasers out of their eyes. They're powerful. They can, you know, they're indestructible, all these things. And he's going, well, that's Superman. And they're going, yeah, no, but we like Batman. He goes, well, Batman <laughs> doesn't have any of those powers. He doesn't do any of those things. So you actually like Superman. No, no, no. We like Batman. Oh. <laughs> It's really funny. He's going, but Batman can't. And they're going, oh, if, if, he, if you could have a power, what would it be? And they're going, flying. He goes, so you choose Superman because Superman can fly. And they go, no, Batman. He goes, but Batman can't fly. He can just fall. <laughs> <laughs> he can fall. He falls with style. Exactly. Yes, but he's got wings, one of the kids said. He goes, yeah, but he can just fall with those wings. He can't really. It's really funny. It's, 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 it's hilarious to watch Henry's reactions to the kids and their uh their reasoning, uh, kids are just so funny with the things that they hear and say and, and repeat. So uh, well worth watching. All right. I'll check it out. All right. So uh, we look forward to the release of Batman v Superman. Uh, we have found out that the New York premiere is on March 20th, and uh, I am hoping to, to be there for that. Uh, but what's interesting is that Zack Snyder went online with this video to promote a Mexico premiere on March 19th, which is the day before the New York premiere. So March 19th at Mexico appears to be the world premiere, if you will. Hmm. That'll be the first time, huh? The first time it's ever seen. That's, uh, that's crazy. Uh, but, I, I mean, I guess it's all-inclusive. I guess they're saying, hey, why, does, why should one place get precedent over another i did notice with the release of man of steel you know i never took notice of of worldwide release dates for any other movie but when we were when we were doing all the talk-ups for for the movie coming out and we were talking about the release dates i started to learn that many countries do in fact get these movies before the united states does so it's not i find now i know that it's not that unusual that um other countries would get it before we do so I guess the, if the Mexico premiere is the first date that it's actually being released any, anywhere, uh, I guess I guess that's not that abnormal if, since it seems like other places get it before places that you might think were yeah it's, would, it's, would, would rate. I don't know. Not abnormal that the fact that other countries do get it first, sometimes because of time differences, because of time zones or what have you. But the fact that the cast and the crew and Zack Snyder and everybody are going there for you know like a red carpet premiere – on March 19th is is bizarre for me because you would think that, you know, uh, well, it always has been previously if, as far as I know, unless the movie is made or set in a different country, that the New York or LA or Hollywood premiere is the first, is the world premiere rather than being in Mexico, which I don't recall having any connection with the movie unless they shot some 
scenes for the Wonder Woman. They did Woman shoot part. some scenes there. I remember there was we were speculating that it was going to be Themyscira, um, or that it might be the uh, tropical version of the Fortress of Solitude, or something like that. We had some. Uh, you had posted some pictures online mm. of uh, one of the locations in Mexico that they were using, and it, it looked kind of like a Themyscarian type of a, yeah. a, a of a thought. So, uh, so it is, uh, and I think that might have been one of their first or one of their last or. Uh, kind of a noteworthy places that they were filming, so that might be your connection there. Yeah, it's just it surprised me, but it's cool. So uh, good luck to all those people in Mexico who hopefully can get get there and and attend uh, if possible. So uh, that's March nineteenth in Mexico. Zack Snyder's video promoting all that, and then uh, the New York premiere will be on March twentieth, and. Uh, that uh, also will be, I guess, like a red carpet event with the red with the cast and crew there in attendance. Uh, fingers crossed, we'll be able to be there for you. But uh, be incredible. I know Steve and, uh, uh, and myself and Rennie Cowan and Jeffrey Taylor were all there for the premiere for Man of Steel, mm-hmm. and that was, I guess, about a week beforehand. Uh, it was on like a Monday, if, if I remember correctly. Yeah. This one looks like uh, it's on a, a Sunday, Sunday and on a Saturday in Mexico. Yeah. But I don't uh, – uh, I'm not sure what the rhyme or reason is. I guess maybe it's just five days or so before release for both uh, Man of Steel. And uh, wasn't Man of Steel like June 19th and the and the world premiere that we went to June was the 10th. 10th? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, so maybe I guess it's just they ahead. go around, yeah, around that amount of time. But uh, it was a great event. So yeah, it'd be great to be uh, uh, somehow in- included in something like that again. But uh, regardless, we'll all be having the opportunity to see it in just about a month. Yeah, exactly. So that's everything with Batman v Superman. There's a lot out there. There's you know TV spots, uh, Jeep. I've uh, got a, a new TV commercial out. It was very Bruce Wayne just driving around trying to you know. Uh, miss all the debris that was falling during the uh, battle with Zod for the Jeep Renegade commercial. Uh, there's you know all different promotions, lots of contests out there uh, to try to get to the New York premiere. So make sure you keep uh, in touch with everything on the Superman homepage to be involved with all those different contests. So we are less than a month away from the release of Batman v Superman. So get involved with everything there at supermanhomepage.com. <clears throat> all right. Now, looking elsewhere beyond Batman v Superman, we had the uh, world premiere of the Lego DC Comics Superheroes Justice League Cosmic Clash animated movie. Uh, Rennie Cowan, who you mentioned, uh, was in attendance there in LA for us uh, covering that event. Uh, She uh, conducted eight different video interviews on the red carpet with some of the cast, some of the voice actors, some of the producers, directors and other people involved, screenwriters, what have you for that upcoming Lego animated movie, um, Cosmic Clash. It's, it's all about Brainiac, and uh, it's uh, available on already now for download uh, on digital HD, uh, but it will be released on Blu-ray Combo Pack and DVD on March 1st, so only a couple of days away. So make sure you check out Lego DC Comics Superheroes Justice League Cosmic Clash. The New York premiere of that animated movie will also be taking place uh, this coming weekend, or depending on when you're listening to this. Um, But uh, our reporter, T.A. Hewitt, will be in attendance uh, for that event, which will be taking place 
on Saturday, February 27th. As I mentioned, depending on when you're listening to this, could be a couple of days away. But uh, TA York will be in attendance for that, uh, doing some video interviews with whoever's in attendance there for us. Mm, very exciting. I guess uh, aside from Man of Steel, there's there always seems to be era of Man of Steel, Batman v <laughs> Superman. There always seems to be these these other uh, direct to DVD movies that come out. Uh, we uh, we have uh, I guess coming up Justice League versus Gene Teen Titans as well. Gene Titans, yeah, there. That's yes. A, I haven't heard of that team before, but uh, yeah, it's uh... they all wear jeans. They wear <laughs> denim, and they do it better than anyone else. That's having its uh, premiere, by the way, at WonderCon. Uh, which is uh, taking place across the weekend of March 25th to March 27th. But uh, as you mentioned, Justice League versus Teen Titans is another animated movie from Warner Brothers Animation. It will be available from them on March 29th on Digital HD and then released on Blu-ray and DVD on April 12th. So a couple of months away, but uh, looking forward to that. It's uh, an interesting one. It's not based on any particular story or... uh, or a comic book from that you'll be familiar with. It's done by it's a it's a screenplay by Brian Q. Miller, who is as you mentioned, as you know, uh, a well uh, um, a, a very good comic book writer, and Alan Burnett uh, on a story based by Miller. So uh, it's uh, an interesting one. Uh, it's another versus movie, uh, which seems to be all the rage at the moment. Yeah, everybody seems to like to see heroes fight heroes. And, and of course, uh, if there was any team that I was going to call upon to take on the might of the Justice League, it would certainly be the Robin-led Teen Titans. <laughs> Sarcasm? Uh, no, not me. Uh, I don't even know. I don't know the meaning of the word. <laughs> Sound like very much like Sheldon. Uh, but uh, that is an upcoming animated movie. Looking forward to anything that they bring out that's involving Superman. So... That uh, is something to look forward to. As is, as we move from movie news to TV news, the confirmation about an animated series called Justice League Action. Now, we had rumor and speculation when there was a poster from, you know, um, a DC Comics or DC Entertainment uh, wall uh, showing all these different animated shows that were coming up. They had Wabbit, they had... Um, uh, Scooby-Doo. They had all the different animated shows, some that were on TV at the time, some that had been announced, and others that we hadn't heard of. And one of them was a JLA poster showing silhouettes of these Justice League characters who you could tell Superman, Batman, and some of the others. Now, DC Entertainment has announced officially that the animated series is going to be called Justice League Action. Now, the thing is, and here's the, I guess, the rub of it, is that it's only a quarter-hour series. So... 15 minutes per episode. Uh, it's going to be featured on Cartoon Network. It will have Kevin Conroy as Batman, and it will have, you know, uh, some other big-name um, voice actors in the title roles, but it seems like 15 minutes is just too short. Well, I guess a, a half-hour cartoon show is only about... 19 or 22 minutes or something it seems to get less and less as time goes on and they have all these promos that run for whatever channel you're running when the show ends and it's like 10 more minutes before the start of the next half hour so i guess if you have 15 straight minutes with no commercials you almost have about the same amount 
of story that you would get in a half hour show because it's not really a half hour anyway. Um, but, but yeah, it's, I guess it's, it's a little disappointing. It's, I guess it's a little like the super best friends cartoon or, uh, those little shorts that they were showing that were six minutes long or four mm. minutes long or however long they were. Uh, I, so I guess this is, you know, five or six times longer than those. Well, so. it does say that, um, episodes will be 11 minutes in length meaning that the action will be tightly paced and exciting and awesome. <laughs> but, oh, it's exciting and awesome. <laughs> uh, as I said, we'll have Kevin Conroy as Batman, um, and we'll see Superman, Wonder Woman, and the rest of the DC iconic team of heroes. It says, whether defending the Earth, facing invaders from space, or battling the bizarre forces of magic, the always rotating team of Justice League heroes are up to any challenge. So, Well, uh, here's hmm. the thing. Uh, you know, there's been this thing over the last few years where... Everybody's been saying nobody has an attention span anymore. Yeah. Uh, kids want to see something for two seconds and move on. Kids are on YouTube for hours just just uh, looking at people's videos, uh, jumping from video to video. Uh, so the idea – and you know, I've seen them watch 30-minute, hour-long videos, uh, but it's just a guy doing different things or it's not yeah. a story. It's not something that has to – that they have to follow uh, for an hour. So – I think maybe that's what they're trying to do here and kind of cater it to the idea that kids are in and out of the room. Kids want to go on to the next thing that maybe they can keep their attention with an action packed 11 minutes. And I did read before that this was going to be more akin to the Teen Titans go cartoon and much more uh, 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 geared toward children. Mm. So an 11 minute, you know, ADD styled, uh, (laughs) thing that's geared toward children and has all action and no character development, no story and and no depth uh, is kind of what I've been hearing entertainment venues are leaning toward these days because they want to get the kid demo demo and hopefully hold them for the rest of their lives. Mm. But the only way they can do that is by making sure that they catch their attention and keep them there and uh, a half hour or an hour or whatever it is, is too long. long. Yeah. Well, I've looked back at say the old, Looney Tunes cartoons, you know, they were all 11-minute or 10-minute little videos, you know, Bugs Bunny or Road Runner, you know, the, the coyote chasing him. Or they were less than that. They, those Even, might have been yeah. six minutes yeah. or something. So if it's, you know, if they're quality and they've got a, you know, and they can do something like that, which keeps you, you know, interested for uh, 10, 15 minutes or whatever and, and uh, capture imagination the way those cartoons did for us as kids growing up. I remember the old Pink Panther cartoons are probably about the same thing and, I recently put DVD of them on for my nieces, and they sat there glued to them, for, you know, one after the other. They just, but the the longer the story went, the the less they were interested. But the short, snappy ones kept them interested, like you say. So maybe it's the way to go. And uh, I'm interested to see that Mark Hamill is back as a Joker. Uh, he followed the Superman homepage on Twitter and has been retweeting and liking uh, some of our tweets, which is really cool. Um, that is so, cool. James Wood is It'd back. It'd be nice if they Lex got Luthor. Tim Daly as Superman for the show. Yeah, well, they haven't uh, announced yet who will be playing the voice of Superman, so uh, that would be cool to get Tim Daly back uh, as the voice of Superman. So looking forward to seeing the full cast announcement for this JLA, JL, well, Justice League action animated mm-hmm. series. Interesting that they went with that name. I know they don't want to do America uh, because they're not trying to single anybody out or... Right. Uh, you know, turn anybody off. Uh, I think adventure would have been better if they want to use the A. Then J- Justice League action, I don't know, kind of falls flat for me. But 
I guess if you're a kid and you see, oh, action, maybe that'll <sighs> the fact that there's going to be action is going <laughs> to get your attention. But uh, when is this supposed to come out? Uh, it says it will join the popular Teen Titans Go as the second ongoing DC animated series on Cartoon Network. No premiere date has been announced as yet. I'm guessing it'll probably be around September. That's usually when things are launched, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I guess if if, if it's coming this this uh, year. Yeah. Uh, sometimes when they mention things, it's uh, you know 2017 or. Well, something it says like later that. this year, so uh, oh, okay. I'm guessing it will be around that time. There you go. All right, let's move on to talk about Supergirl. There's been a number of new episodes since our last podcast. And uh, the first one that we can get onto is uh, episode 12, which was titled simply Bizarro and was very impressive. I actually was, was, I really liked this episode. I I also really liked it. I've been enjoying all of the episodes. What I really liked about this, other than her origin, I thought that this was quite possibly the closest rendition of Bizarro to exist in any live action form. You know, they've done different versions before where they kind of call him Bizarro or they say I'm Clark, but I'm just a little more bizarre or that kind of thing. Uh, But this really was uh, uh, an exact duplicate of Kara. And she had that whole uh, breakdown of her of her. her face and everything that yeah. made her look like Bizarro. I uh, I did have a problem with the uniform because um, I can't come up with any way or any reason why the S <laughs> suddenly backwards. would have turned backwards. That made no sense at all. And I guess they just said, well, listen, uh, that's what Bizarro looks like, so we're just going to have that. But <laughs> that was a little silly, I thought. Uh, I think it would have been okay if uh, when she when she failed and became Bizarro, if it was just the same suit as before, but you know, she looked like Bizarro uh, in the face and everything. Um, so the suit was really weird to me. But uh, I liked that she wasn't evil. I liked that that uh, she didn't want to hurt Supergirl and that she kind of understood that Supergirl wasn't the enemy. But but she kept getting pushed in that direction. She didn't understand and, and she was confused. That That's Bizarro to me. Mm. Yeah, no, it was really well done and it was uh, quite emotional i guess in some respects because i like the fact that kara was all about trying to save this girl and you know and and all about trying to find a resolution and you know it wasn't all about just destroying and and getting rid of her it was all about i want to help you and um and i think that's you know what sets uh that tv show apart from you know what uh, what we're seeing elsewhere so uh i really enjoyed i thought the special effects were well done the costume thing was a bit bizarre uh, to phrase a pun, but um, it you know it was well done. The special effects were well done. Uh, the actress who played Bizarro when it wasn't Melissa Benoist as the perfect uh, duplicate uh, played the part really well. Um, you know Maxwell Lord's just really building to be the 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 big bad villain of this series. So it's really impressive the way it's playing out. He is very much uh, like Lex Luthor. Exactly. I, I think that they're, they're certainly using him in that way. They've even they've even filmed some scenes that are that are very eerily similar to some of the Lois and Clark scenes with uh, Lex, and uh, and he and he's very uh, he's one of these guys that's uh, you like to to see him, even though he's the bad you guy. Love to hate. Yeah, and and he's very uh, he's very charismatic. He's very likable. The way he speaks. 
uh, the way he goes about what he's doing. Um, and it's, it's very, it's very compelling to see the next thing he's going to try and do. And you're right about uh, Supergirl as far as uh, what sets it apart in terms of uh, even with Man of Steel or whatever. I feel like every episode I, uh, I have an emotional connection. Yeah. I, I feel inspired. I feel touched. I feel uh, – which you didn't necessarily get uh, with Man of Steel too much and it wasn't very heavy the times that you did. So uh, the fact that they, that they, that they go that, that route and it's very inspiring and, and uh, it's just uh, – they're doing a really good job with it. Exactly, and uh, move to episode 13, which is titled For the Girl Who Has Everything, which, as we know, was based and inspired by the Alan Moore story from the comic books Superman Annual number 13, I think it was, titled For the Man Who Has Everything. And we have the Black Mercy in this. It's a, 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 a organism that attaches itself to Supergirl and puts her in a state of mind, in a coma, if you like, where she's dreaming and having a real-life experience of her deepest desires, and in this case, it's to be back on Krypton with her family, enjoying a life that's, you know, seen through rose-colored glasses and is all hunky-dory and everything's going great. But in the meantime, it's to put her out of commission back on Earth in the real world where Non and the Kryptonians through Astra are planning on doing this attack across several locations, putting Supergirl out of commission so that she can't get involved, can't stop what they're planning, and uh, again, a very emotional episode. I felt that this was Alex Danvers, Kyla Lee, the actress, very focused for her. Where the Toy Man episode was great for Jeremy Jordan to play Windshot and get emotionally invested in his character, for, for Kyla Lee, this was her moment to shine as far as being Alex Danvers, getting emotional, trying to pull the strings, the heartstrings of Kara to get her to come back, to realise what was going on. I thought this was very much her episode. I love this story. It's been a uh, you know a classic Superman story for however long it's been. Uh, they've done a version of it on the uh, Justice League uh, show okay, from yeah. a few years ago, uh, and it was done very well there. This uh, is 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 very very similar to that. I love that they're going all out with the aliens. I love that they have the the names. You know, a lot of times in the in the Dark Knight trilogy and Man of Steel and things. They sometimes shy away from using names that sound a little chintzy or goofy because they're from the comic book. But we're trying to make this really, really realish and gritty. Uh, here, they just said, you know what? Uh, we're going to have this prison crash, and everything that can be anything is going to be there. We're going to have Black Mercies. We're going to have Live Wires. We're going to have Bizarros, and we're just going to throw them all at you. And we're not really even going to explain where they came from, how we got them, why they're here, other than this prison crashed, and uh, everything seems to come from that. It's a little like the issue I had with Smallville in that uh, meteor rocks were the cure-all of everything. Anybody they needed to create any superpower they wanted a bad guy to have came from meteor rocks. So that kind of got a little old. These are all different people uh, in Supergirl. They they just happen to have been on this prison thing. So, and they're from different areas of the universe, which they've already they established early on that these are some of the most dangerous criminals from the entire universe that were put into the, the, the prison and then sent into the Phantom Zone, which expands upon the use of the Phantom Zone. I don't necessarily remember it ever being that 
before, but in order to get them to Earth and in order to have something for, for Kara to fight, they did this. And I, I think it works rather well, better than Meteor Rocks changing every single person into a lunatic. Hmm. And I also think that this particular story for the man who has everything, which was changed to for the girl who has everything, makes much more sense for Kara in this uh, origin story of Supergirl because uh, she was older when she left. She did remember Krypton. She did know her parents. She was crying because they sent her away. She had memories there. She had friends there. She had connections there, which uh, Kal-El never had. So the idea that the same story works the same way for uh, Superman it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But for Supergirl... It makes complete sense because all of her early memories and her life growing up and then everything that she remembers because remember, she was then asleep in suspended animation for another 12 or 13 years. So she lived for seven or nine years or however long it was. Then she was in suspended animation and she's only, you know, she's only uh, been been awake for I guess it wasn't that long, but uh, because she grew up a little bit, but but not that. I was thinking she grew up to the age she is now before right. she came out, but no. Uh, but but whatever. She has just as many years with her real family on Krypton as she probably did with the family on Earth, and now she's trying to be an adult on Earth, and she has these connections through the through the uh, holograms, talking to her family and talking to her mom and her aunts there and. So she has a much stronger connection to Krypton, I think, than ever Superman did. So this story just really resonates that much more strongly, I feel, uh, for Supergirl. Yeah, no, fair enough. I can understand the reasoning there. So it was a really powerful episode, uh, really well done, really well acted. And Wasn't uh, it cool at the end of the Bizarro episode when she flew home and the plant was crawling across yes, the, the top ceiling. of the roof and she kind of heard it but then wasn't sure and... It attacks her at the end. I, I, I just thought it was so well set up for the next episode. Yeah, they've been doing uh, good uh, cliffhangers like that, blending one episode into the next, you know, with something that happens at the end that uh, you know, keeps you wanting to come back for next week. And uh, we look... F- we, well, we had a break after Truth, Justice... Uh, after, sorry, for The Girl Who Has Everything. Uh, was uh, the next... We had a break. And the next new episode, which just aired... Uh, or just airs on Monday night, just aired depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, it's called Truth, Justice in the American Way. Neither you or I have seen it at this at the time of this recording, but uh, looking forward to checking out that episode. Yes, it hasn't aired yet for us. That's why we haven't been able to watch it yet. But I look forward to every episode, and uh, I'm probably actually we're recording this on Monday. It's about six o'clock, uh, so two hours from when it uh, comes on here, and I, I, I think I'm, I'm planning on watching it with my girls here tonight. So, yep. um, when if I could retroactively record <laughs> a little something about it and then insert it into this, I would. But uh, we're gonna watch it. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be entertaining. Did you feel that Alex doing what she did? at the end of that episode, uh, was the right move. Um, you talk about with Aunt Astra, yes. that whole thing and the way it was covered up by uh, Hank. Right. Um, I don't know. There's going to be repercussions. There's no doubt about that. That's definitely going to come be coming, something to come back and you know, bite him in the backside uh, uh-huh. because, you know, um, Kara obviously has an emotional attachment to her aunt and... Uh, for Alex to do that, um, it's there's going to be something, some repercussions, I'm sure. But yeah, I, w- 
I wasn't sure if it was the right thing. I don't know what alternative she had. Still not to man of steel. They kind of put her in that position where she had to do what she had to do. But um, it's a, it's an interesting debate to come back uh, to see what happens later on. What about you? What did you think? I, I was I was really torn on it because I I felt like it was extreme. I, I because yes, she had the uh, kryptonite weapon, so therefore she could use it against her. But I, but but as far as in the manner with which she did, that was so final. Mm. Uh, it could have been you know she could have attacked her with it. Uh, for, the girl didn't. She didn't know she was there, so she could have hit her anywhere. Um, um, but but uh, you know, through the heart in the manner with which she did was was. I thought it was very uh, kind of gruesome and and and, and uh, uh, brutal. You know, yeah. And and I, I'm not saying she isn't deserving of it or didn't need to. Be, you know, as I said, as you said, she didn't really have much choice but to you know to, to save him. Uh, in the case of Superman. They they had fought to a standstill in Man of Steel and were in that spot, and those people were about to die right then and there. Um, as you might say, Hank was about to die, but uh, she did have the weapon that could stop. She did have the kryptonite, so mm. she could have brought it near her, and she would have probably released her hold as she got weaker, and then maybe Martian Manhunter would have been able to do something. So I was surprised, but I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it at all. Uh, I guess so, looking at yeah, it from it, Alex's point of view, she doesn't see Astro as anything but, you know, a threat. Where from Kara's point of view and from our point of view as as, as uh, spectators, as viewers, uh, as an audience, we see that she has some redeeming qualities, and we know that you know maybe she could have been reached from an at, a, at an emotional level. But I guess from from Alex's point of view, um, you know, she's the the big bad. Yeah, well, I also didn't really see. It was a little bothersome that uh, the the uh, Cower. Uh, there was another, I think, another scene where they were all laughing and stuff and having a good time, um, and it wasn't even. It didn't really seem to affect her at all uh, mm. that that, uh, that 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 she had been murdered in front of her. No, it did seem a bit uh, strange the way that that was played out. But uh, as I mentioned, the next movie, well, the one that comes after. Uh, for the girl who has everything was called Truth, Justice, and the American Way. And in this episode, Supergirl does battle with the deadly master jailer, played by Jeff Branson, who is hunting and executing escaped Fort Ross prisoners. Also, Cat hires a second assistant, Siobhan Smythe, played by Italia Ricci, who immediately tries to one-up Kara. And Kara and James disagree over the DEO's methods. Now, for those who don't know, Siobhan Smythe is a.k.a. Silver Banshee. Mm. I'm excited. Have you seen the pictures? Yes, I did. Uh, I thought the makeup was really well done, and with special effects and everything, I think uh, Silver Banshee could uh, could be a very interesting villain. Yeah, I think she looks great. I thought she looked great on Smallville, which is you know generally you don't hear me necessarily praise <laughs> Smallville. I didn't like the story itself, right. but I liked the way she looked. So uh, hopefully, the look here, which looks just as good as the Smallville look, goes with a better story and 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 so far i have not been disappointed in any episode really i mean there are things that stand out to me as being out of place uh the costume uh, cara not being really affected by the fact that her aunt was dead other than in that moment when it happened mm. uh but the same could be said in man of steel i've heard people complain that uh, the biggest problem with uh, the zod death is that the very next scene is kind of played for laughs and not um 
there doesn't seem to be a time where Superman reflects on it or anything. Hmm. Um, so I guess here's the same kind of a thing. Some time went by and, and she's recovered and she's having a, a, a good time with her friends or whatever. Hmm. So I don't know. But yeah, other than that, other than some things here and there, I just think every episode has really had uh, a great uh, reason for watching. Uh, yeah. And it's just doing, uh, they're doing really great things. And it'll be interesting to see Siobhan Smythe as a character because in the Supergirl comics, they've been friends. And in here, being, you know, why is Kat hiring a second assistant? Well, if you look at from Kat's point of view, Kara's been pretty odd lately and been doing some really odd things. I mean, you had Hank portraying Kara at one point during that episode that we're talking about, of course, she was out of action. So um, from Kat's point of view, you know, uh, Kara hasn't been the most reliable person of late. So bringing in a second assistant makes sense from her point of view. And uh, it'll be interesting to see that dynamic between the two characters. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Then the final of the episode after that is another interesting one. It's t- titled Solitude. And it sees Kara uh, making a trip to the Fortress of Solitude, uh, Superman's Fortress of Solitude, where uh, in hopes she's there in hopes of learning how to defeat Indigo, who is a Brainiac-type character played by Laura Vandervoort. Uh, it's just, uh, Indigo is described as a dangerous being who can transport via the internet and who has a connection to Kara's past. Also, James's relationship with Lucy reaches the crossroads. That episode will be Monday the 29th of Feb. Excellent. I'm looking so forward to that because it's another connection to Superman. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, his actual fortress, which we really haven't seen in live action uh, in a while. It was on Smallville. It was kind of weirdly represented, uh, but connected to the old Donner idea of the fortress. And uh, it doesn't seem like we're going to get it in the Man of Steel universe, at least not anytime soon. So I I like that we're going to see it here. What about the news that we're going to be getting a crossover between The Flash and Supergirl? It's finally happened. It's, it's been in talks. It's been speculated upon. Uh, we know that the episode will now be titled World's Finest, which is interesting. Not worlds with an apostrophe, yes, but world's finest, meaning different worlds, because we now know, if you're the, watching The Flash, that Kara isn't on his Earth. Uh, she's not on Earth 2 either. Uh, appears to be from uh, an alternate Earth. Um, so it will happen. It will be episode 18. It will air on March 28th on CBS as part of the Supergirl series. Uh, and I guess because Barry is, you know, travelling through the different, the, the multiverse uh, in his efforts to stop Zoom over in his own series, uh, he's going to have trouble or, you know, going to be doing all these multiverse travelling and uh, will come across Kara's world, whatever Earth that might be, Earth Prime, I don't know, uh, because... Uh, this will be a, an exciting turn of events. Well, here's the thing. Uh, you know, I've kind of mentioned it before with Arrow. Uh, when you have the Flash, it's it seems pretty difficult. And I don't really think they've done a great job with showing me why it would be necessary for Barry ever to team up with Arrow. Um, I love Arrow. I think I like it better than the Flash. But the Flash is kind of like Superman versus Batman. Once you have the Flash who can do what he can do, a guy with an arrow is not going to be able to help any situation. Now, they have written different stories where Barry has gone there and said, I need you to help protect this girl. And I have said, why? You can move at the speed of light. Why would you need a guy with an arrow to to help you? But because they need to cross them over, they do it. So if you were to then say that not only 
do the Flash and Arrow exist in the same universe? And not only do they each have their own uses within each other's worlds, now Supergirl exists there, which also means that Superman exists there. So why, how could there ever be a dire situation, although even on Supergirl itself it makes no sense that an army of Kryptonians are trashing National City every five minutes and Superman is just not involved at all. I realize she yelled at him. I realize she wants to be her own thing. But if the world is in danger by Kryptonians, I just don't think Superman would just say, well, she doesn't want me around, so I'm just going to stay away and let the Kryptonians do what they want. But in this case, you're going to have them from different worlds, which is not an outside-the-boundaries concept uh, in the DC universe, the multiverse, uh, however, you, whatever you want to call it, uh, multiple Earths, multiple universes, multiple different things have always existed. It's been a kind of a core concept for DC. So the idea that they – and they've established it on TV already on The Flash. People who watch Supergirl might not know that, but I'm sure they'll explain it to some degree. Uh, so having a crossover where they don't later have to explain how they can exist in the same universe and yet never help each other out or never show up together or never show up again, uh, although I'm sure they probably will at some point, it just kind of makes sense. I'm not thrilled with it because I would rather they not be from alternate universes, but it really does not – it wouldn't make as much sense if they were all in the same world together. Mm, exactly. So it's a – it's, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I like The Flash. I watched the, the series religiously and uh, really looking forward to seeing the crossover. It was cool to see Kara, a glimpse of her in a Flash episode where he travelled to Earth 2, uh, going through the multiverse, and uh, there was a, a very brief snippet of her flying by. So that's that was pretty cool, uh, kind of a, um, you know, looking forward to seeing uh, that episode and that happening. So that's uh, about to happen in a couple of weeks' time. So looking forward to the Flash Supergirl crossover event. Now, you mentioned Smallville a number of times during this podcast. Um, Tom Welling has been out and about doing some interviews. He's uh, got a new movie out at the moment uh, called The Choice. And promoting that movie, he's asked about Smallville. He's asked about all the current Supergirl, Flash, Arrow TV shows that have come I guess in the wake, or thanks to the success of Smallville's 10 seasons and what he thinks of those shows. And ask, they ask him all the time about his speculation about him appearing on Supergirl, maybe as Superman, maybe as another character, and what he would think of that. Uh, he's said nobody's asked him about it. He doesn't think it would be right or it, it would be strange because you know his character doesn't really fit with that series and his Clark doesn't really fit with uh, you know the the feeling of that show um so he's not sure how that would work out but yeah he would be interested in having a look at it but um I'd like to see him come on and say like Ultraman or uh, you know a different version of of Superman from a different universe well I think what you would probably do we were talking about multiverses and different earths is you would have him be a different character uh he could be Superman but not be Clark from Smallville um he still has the look he still could fit in the uniform and he still could be even Clark if they just wanted to have him as Clark and not have him in a uniform uh, but not necessarily be the Smallville Clark uh, just like Dean Kane is not playing Clark but he's playing a different character uh, Laura Vandervoort is playing a different character uh, you have um, um Eliza Danvers being played by the original Supergirl so you could do 
a completely different character altogether, but you could also have him appear as a version of Superman from one of the other Earths. Uh, maybe not even the one that Kara has uh, interacted with that uh, helped her out of the pod and took her to the Danverses. There's a number of things you could do uh, with Tom Welling on the show if he wanted to be involved. Uh, but uh, the first thing you got to do is make sure his manager will let him out of his shift at McDonald's in order to do any of that filming. <laughs> I'm surprised he got to film this movie. I, I see that he's not the lead. He's not the second lead. He's just some guy that happens to be in it. Um, but that's probably because he had too many fries to drop. <laughs> that, to be fair, he's probably doing more producing and directing and stuff these days behind the uh, camera rather than being in front of the camera. But uh, I, uh, I appreciate your joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, look, yeah, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter if you're involved in a, in a anything to do with Superman or a comic book property these days, and then you come back years later, and people are going to, and there's a different version, they're going to ask you about being involved and what you think about it. They even asked him about Batman v Superman, and he seemed very excited for that film. He said he's watched the trailers, he's really, you know, looking forward to them, he's a fan of, of what they've done, and he's... Uh, He's looking forward to Batman v Superman. So it's cool to see Tom answering to those questions and, uh, you know, and being open to them. Listen, I jest. I jest. But I have always I always liked Tom Welling. I the show fell flat in a lot of ways for me. But when people would say he's the worst actor on the show, he's terrible, he's this, he's that. I always thought he was pretty good. I always thought man, I'm not saying he was, you know, Oscar winning actor, but I thought he did a good job. I thought he fit the role of Clark. I thought. I, we none of us liked that they didn't put him in the uniform. None of us liked that it mm. seemed like it came from him. That was his idea. Uh, none of us liked that it took ten years to even see him fly or anything. But a lot of the development with Clark and him being young and naive and innocent and not understanding things and and I thought was really well done. And obviously, I'm joking. But what tends to happen, and I'm 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 I feel the same way. And I, I can't see the future, but I feel the same way about. Uh, Stephen A. Mel, I feel the same way about Grant Gustin, I feel the same way about Melissa Benoist, that this will be the last we see of them. They may appear every once in a while in something, and I can't see the future, but it just seems like that's the way it goes when you're on these types of shows. It, it, it's similar with Star Trek. Any of the Star Trek incarnations, the amount of times that you can see any of those other actors in anything successful is so limited and it just seems like uh, same with Mark Hamill. It just took forever for him to finally get some voice work and do some things to where he's back in the, in the spotlight of the geek world where he's going to comic cons and stuff, but so minor. And it just seems like most of these, what you want to call geeky type worlds don't translate to the actors getting work after the fact. Yeah. That's all I'm talking about. It seems to pigeonhole them into a particular role and uh, typecast them but uh, I guess that was what Tom Willing was hoping to avoid by not wearing the costume and that but uh, in Smallville but uh, it doesn't seem to have worked or it seems to have maybe burnt him out at the time after 10 seasons that's uh, huh. maybe he's decided to yeah to, to, to portray or uh, pursue other um, other type of work but uh, we, we can't begrudge him his, his, his choices and decisions so uh, look forward to seeing him in whatever else he decides to do. I would love to see him on Supergirl. I love the way they're doing, and they're doing it now, right? Yeah. So, uh, almost any time 
you see it. It's an, and that started on Smallville too. I mean, they did it on Lois and Clark. They brought. Uh, yeah, they've done it a long for a long time. They did it in you know, Superman Lois the movie, Lane, the original Lois Lane on. Yeah, and so it, it's not, it's something that kind of started a long time ago, but really came to it, it happens yeah. all the time now on these shows. Yeah. You know, you have the original Flash on Flash, and 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 there's several characters now on Supergirl. So I could certainly see it happening. Definitely, it's a definite possibility. So let's just wait and see what whether that uh, comes to pass. All right, let's go into comic books. Uh, looking back. The probably the one the longest uh, or the oldest comic we haven't spoken about as far as when it came out was Superman number forty eight, and in this uh, particular comic we saw Superman Clark Kent teaming up with Steve Trevor, uh, going to the Argus archives. Um, artwork is the same artist who's on the Justice League three thousand three thousand and one comic, which I don't mind. It's very uh, um, detailed uh, kind of artwork. Uh, your thoughts on Superman number forty-eight? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was—I uh, thought it was interesting. I mean, we're still getting that kind of brazen version of Clark mm-hmm. um, that—that that is kind of this tough guy, and and he's—he's he's without his powers or whatever. He's very mortal now, uh, and uh, he's trying to come up with some sort of a way that he can fix himself. And he's got this crazy plan that. Steve Trevor doesn't even want to help him with, but when he explains it and says it needs to go happen and he really believes in it, uh, yeah, Steve helps him to, to accomplish his goal. And at the end, uh, we see him sort of dive into this uh, vault of kryptonite, which is was just an odd <clears throat> sort of thing to see. Uh, I guess but, he's uh, looking at it from the point of view that it's almost like, say, like having leukemia or a cancer of some kind. The reason that he doesn't have his powers is that uh, it's the cells, the uh, you know the cell, the receptor cells, I guess, in his skin that are able to turn sunlight into his superpowers. He wants to try to burn whatever they've done to the, burn the top layer, if you like, of those cells that have been mutated to stop his powers. To and using kryptonite hopes to the same way you use radiation or you use uh, chemotherapy to try to uh, kill off the cancer, if you like. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I don't know that it. That it's gonna you know, work. <laughs> that it'll work, but uh, I, I get the idea, and uh, it was very, uh, very cool, and it's it's kind of a neat little cliffhanger that happens at the end. I, I still hate Hodor Root. I still hate the yeah. whole idea uh, of the thing, and they're still you know belaboring the, the dead horse, in my opinion. But uh, here we have another character that's been transmutated into something else, and uh, then. The original version of that person killed so that he can be this new thing now. And uh, it just doesn't seem all that impressive. Like, oh, okay, another thing that, you mm. know, I guess if you don't have any powers and you're mortal, uh, a robot that can use other machines against you is scary. But it also kind of seems like they're uh, kind of amalgamating different, you know, Metallo does that sort of thing. Yeah. So I don't know, but yeah. but uh, but I, I did like the the general idea of where the story went. So yeah. I was good with that, and it was good that it kind of finally went straight into Action Comics number forty nine. We see Superman emerge from that Kryptonite uh, vault, and uh, it's it's given him powers, but it's not given him his powers back. It's like they're it's almost like the Kryptonite version of powers. He's like a Kryptonite man, if you like. He's able to. Kryptonite. <laughs> he's got he's got strength. He's he's able to. You know, um, fly in a way. Uh, he takes on this puzzler robot uh, thing that we saw back in Superman number forty-eight being created. 
Um, it's Superman. He reunites with Wonder Woman. Uh, she says there's something different about you, but you know, great to see that you're smiling again. He seems to be happy. His eyes are glowing green, but that's you know. And I say, you know, don't say there's something different about me just because I have a green glow <laughs> coming off my teeth. Um, <laughs> I did brush. <laughs> there just really seems to be something different about. I can't <laughs> can't put my finger on it, but it might have something to do with the sun-like aura of green emanating from your entire body. I can't tell, but that could be it. Yeah. Now they are attacked by this Salvax, king of barbarians, and, uh, you know, Superman knocks him about. They punch each other back and forth. There's cars thrown. Uh, you know, Superman's, you know, bashing him, but he bashes him back to the state where he knocks off his helmet and realizes that it's the kid that we saw at the very beginning of the comic who is, uh, you know, been imbued with these powers by Vandal Savage. Yes, wasn't it weird to see like this big giant with a kid's head, hulking on. body with a tiny little baby head? <laughs> I thought it was. I thought I, I didn't realize he knocked off his helmet. I thought I thought he had grown into this hulking barbarian and he had a regular barbarian head, and that somehow he only reverted his head back to head, you know, child size. And I just that <laughs> was just a was funny bizarre. thing to look at and think like. Clark hit him so hard that his head reverted back to child <laughs> size when his body stayed the same. I just thought it was weird because the first happens in one of the panels. You only see his face. So I thought, oh, uh, Clark must have knocked sense into him and made him realize that uh, yeah. uh, he wasn't this barbarian. So he turned back. But then the very next thing is that splash of him with the tiny baby head. And I, I realized that only his head had changed. So. Maybe I would have seen that he knocked his helmet off if I didn't get uh, get fooled up. at first, thinking that he changed back. Because then when I saw the next one, it threw me off. Now, at the end of this comic, we see Vandal Savage in uh, trying to, well, stealing Superman's Fortress of Solitude right out of yeah. the snow. How dare you? How dare you, Vandal Savage? He stole my Savage. powers. He stole my friends. Now he's stealing my fortress. Yeah, I didn't like, I, and I knew where the line was going. I knew he was going to say my home. Um, but it's not really his home. No. Uh, at any in any incarnation of the story, really, he lives in an apartment somewhere. Uh, his home is in Metropolis. He's there all the time. He sometimes goes to the Fortress of Solitude to get something, to look something up, to put a prisoner away. Um, so I know where they were going with it, but it's not really his home. No. So that was a little bit yeah uh, clunky, I thought. But uh, yeah, dramatic. I didn't mm. even know there was a fortress anymore that he could get into or anything because didn't he have his uniform taken away by the fortress and get locked out? Yeah, he did. Uh, but I'm guessing it was still there, but whether oh, whether or not Superman could access it was a different matter altogether. There you go. Now, Batman Superman number 29 continues on this story where we see Superman back to his full powers with Batman as Bruce Wayne. I don't know when this is set or how it's... when in time it's happening, but... They're, they go to the moon because there's this big giant alien who's died there and he's drawn the bat and Superman symbol into the surface of the moon and we discover that this female creature was an explorer, was you know uh, probably the best explorer in the universe, going about looking for different things and had discovered something. Her father comes to take her body. Batman and Superman are able to communicate with him uh, and he gives them information that sends Superman off uh, looking for something while Batman stays with the father and Lobo comes into the picture, wants to kill Batman, 
<laughs> Batman does a good job uh, against Lobo, which is uh, quite uh, funny, uh, the way it happens, blows <laughs> off half his face. Meanwhile, Superman's on the other side of the universe uh, in this, uh, I guess, place where there's a massive yellow sun and this alien race has a Kryptonian, an old-aged Kryptonian that they've been using as a living battery to siphon his Kryptonian powers that are being powered by the yellow sun to, um, to power their own needs. But when Superman goes to rescue this aged Kryptonian, uh, it backfires on him. It does in a very bad way. I have a question. Yes. If he's a Kryptonian, how does he have a kryptonite knife or shard of glass or whatever it was on his person the entire time they're there and flying and getting away and then stab Superman with it, but it doesn't affect him at all? Mm. If Maybe. he's a Kryptonian. Maybe because he's been powered by this yellow sun for so long that he's got his, his cells are just supercharged and therefore... Uh, the kryptonite doesn't affect him immediately, but it should have affected Superman unless he had it in a lead-lined pocket. Right. That's a better question. And listen, isn't it embarrassing if a decades-old man with a beard <laughs> down to his feet can take you out? <laughs> While at the same time, Batman takes out Lobo pretty easily. What I did like, what I did like though, is that whole banana muffins line, <laughs> yes. or whatever it was. That was, it was cool. so so funny. So Clark. Uh, it didn't come to fruition because uh, Batman turns out to be able to defeat superpowered Lobo anyway. Uh, but he does it with trickery, which is something a lot of fans always say he would use against Superman, which I'm sure we're going to see some of in the Batman v Superman movie because it's 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 not very smart of a guy like Batman to try and go head on with somebody that much more powerful than him until maybe he gets to a point where they're weak enough that he can. Uh, but with Lobo, what happened when? When did he go from, you know, glittery, makeup-y, skinny Lobo to, like, 80s band Lobo that isn't quite the original Lobo but isn't as bad as the Lobo that they introduced but now is kind of like an amalgam of the two? Good question. I think it must have happened in his own comic book story somewhere where they've combined the two somehow or absorbed one into the other or what? I don't know, but <laughs> I do remember the glittery um, Twilight Lobo. Um, yeah. But, um, and you can see that he's still kind of there because yeah. not, he's not all out Lobo, but he's kind of a weird lion mane, you know, strange uh, Lobo. And, of course, none of probably what the guy said about his quote-unquote daughter may or may not be true. No, he seems because to be playing them. Because the whole thing was a, was a setup. Yeah. So was it his daughter? Was she a great explorer? Or, or is this just some dead body they brought there that they wanted mm-hmm. to use to – you know, lower them up there. Uh, and now, of course, we have uh, Batman free having stolen Lobo's ship where it seemed like <laughs> Batman was the one who was going to be in peril Indeed, and Superman somewhere in space with an armada bearing down on him and a kryptonite dagger through his body. Yeah, we'll wait and see what happens with the next issue, Batman, Superman number 30. Uh, we'll look forward to that. All right, uh, we don't have a, a issue of uh, Superman Wonder Woman to discuss because that comes out the week that we're recording this, so uh, we'll wait and see what happens with that uh, particular title. But let's look on to Superman Lois and Clark, number four. And uh, this particular comic... Uh, actually, I had, oh, well, let's, let's go Superman American Alien, number four, because that's the one I've got open in front of me. Uh, this one was uh, an interesting... Uh, interestingly drawn. Uh, it's uh, drawn by 
uh, Jay Lee, who some people like, some people don't like. He was doing the Batman Superman comic not that long ago. Uh, but in this particular issue, we see Clark and Lois, who are both students at this time, trying to get jobs at the at the Daily Planet. Uh, they don't know each other at this point in time, but Clark mistakenly thinks she's a guy by calling her Lois Lane, and um, he, like, he's only heard of her name or seen her name written or what have you. But um, because of Clark's adventures as Bruce Wayne, or mistakenly thought of as Bruce Wayne in that yacht in the previous issue, he gets to get an interview with... Uh, well, it's about this big event that's happening, uh, a big meeting between Oliver Queen, Bruce Wayne, and Lex Luthor, the young up-and-coming up entrepreneurs having this big meeting, you know, deciding what's happening with the future of their cities. And uh, everyone wants to report on the event, but uh, Clark, of course, Oliver recognises him from the yacht, uh, brings him onto his helicopter, gets introduces him to Lex Luthor. Clark gets to, to, to not only get quotes from both Oliver and Lex Luthor, but uh, he's, it brings the att attention of the Bruce, of the Batman, Bruce Wayne, who attacks him in his apartment. Doesn't go so well for Bruce. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, Lois has managed to get a quote or an interview with Bruce and wants to talk to Clark about the quotes and interviews he got with Oliver and Lex and see if they can do a story together to combine forces. I love this story. Yeah. This is my favorite of the American aliens so far. Uh, I think it's much more complex. I think there's a lot more going on. There's a lot more dialogue. There's a lot more story here. Some of the other chapters were very simple, kind of goofy, silly in some ways. And one was extremely brutal, but not particularly uh, story-filled. Uh, and then the first one was just about him as a kid and, and being afraid of his power. So uh, this was something I don't remember ever kind of seeing before so it was a neat look at maybe the way they might have come together and, and eventually got jobs at the daily planet uh, i love the way he easily handles batman and uh this uh, uh you know to the batman fans to, to people who say oh well he, he can take him on whatever uh this this all kinds of this just look at it <laughs> and know that this is the way it would be uh and batman does get away so it's not a matter of uh him losing necessarily but he's smart he realizes and he would realize as soon as that happened that this is not a place he wants to be right now and he is not prepared for this encounter and maybe never would be prepared for an encounter with somebody like clark but i love the way he hand i love the way the whole thing is handled i love the way they show him use different weapons in clark's face and it doesn't do anything um uh so the whole thing is really great i love uh, the, the talk with oliver queen uh the whole time I'm 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 trying to picture him as Stephen Amell, um, and then and then Lex Luthor. Let me say, there are there are times when I love the way Lex Luthor is written. There are times when I love him as the star of a book when he has his own thing going on, and there are times when I think he's not handled all that well uh, when he was kind of cowardly in Action Comics, and mm. and and I didn't like it at all. Um, you know, this is a guy that people weren't sure they wanted to have write a Superman story because of his little Max Landis documentary thing that he did a few years ago about the doomsday and how it ruined comics. And, um, but this Lex Luthor is spot on for me, man. This is the way I love him. This is the way his dialogue, the way he talks to Clark, the way he talks himself up, the way he makes himself, uh, the savior of the, you know, the savior of the human race and how he's great and everybody else sucks. And the words he uses, I didn't know him either. You know, Clark says, what does that mean? 
I don't know what it means. I didn't know about 10 of the terms that he used in there, but I liked the way he used them. I liked the way he spoke. I loved his dialogue. You know, Clark doesn't say very much in the entire sequence or in any of the interviews, actually. Everybody kind of talks to him, and he just goes, oh, or why do you think that? Or that's really great. Or do you mind if I use that? Um, Whereas they all talk. Even Dick Grayson talks a lot more than Clark does. But I love the way Lex Luthor speaks to him during this whole thing. I love the Dick Grayson part. I love that he's analyzing him, trying yeah. to figure out who he is. Um, I love the Lois Lane little thing with the story that she writes uh, for this little project that they're doing. Uh, and I love the Batman encounter. So there was nothing about – there was no part of this story that I didn't love. No, I thought it was all really good. I mean I thought the clock doing the dance thing when he got the quotes from that. <laughs> it was odd. But, uh, it was odd, but it was – I was, thought it was – Yeah, I, I it made it. me smile. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really well done. Uh, hats off to – to um, uh, Max Landis. Um, as you said, there's a couple of chapters in this that have been a bit goofy, brutal, what have you. But the way this went on from the previous chapter, number three, and worked that in and the, you know, the way that the characters were portrayed and how it all fit together and the conversations and the quotes and everything like that, it was just masterfully done. I was really impressed. Yes, me too. All right, then we move on to Superman, Lois and Clark, number four. And in this particular comic, we see uh, Lois and Clark taking a, a, a trip, uh, some time off uh, in Metropolis. Uh, it's a bit risky for them, but they're incognito. They're trying to keep their faces hidden. They almost run into Jimmy. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting um, look at, these, at the two of these characters uh, celebrating their anniversary. Uh, this is, the, you know, before um, everything's kind of happened. It's kind of like a flashback. She's given him the new black costume. Um, it's, you know, she's she's investigating everything about uh you know what's happened we look we find out she's trying to investigate what's happened to her publisher her agent uh but she has to take her son with her and he's exposed to that and it's all you know moving the the, the plot along yeah i mean you get to see both of these characters primarily lois lane in her the role you expect her to be in yeah. uh, doing the intrepid reporting type of a thing and doing it even when she has other obstacles in her way such as having her son involved such as needing to be completely incognito as you say hiding uh i, I still don't love the idea that they're hiding we went over this last time mm-hmm. i get that they have to because they don't want to disrupt the status quo and there's already a superman and already a lois uh but uh, i always say it when i watch arrow when i watch flash when they do these kind of things where it's like it's tension created just for being tension because if one of the characters would just say oh well, this is what really happened uh for instance the thing with with wells right now where uh, you know they had his where Zoom had his daughter and 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 he was going to steal Flash's speed mm-hmm. in order to help Zoom so he could protect his daughter. Instead of just telling Flash and the rest of the crew that he's being blackmailed, that they have his daughter. Only Cisco knows that they have the daughter, and nobody knows what he's planning. And instead, he's this shadowy guy who everyone's going to think is the villain because he's doing villainous things in order to protect his daughter. Instead of just speaking. You know, uh, his girlfriend leaves, and instead of just telling her straight, he just goes, Pat, Patty, Pat, Pat, Patty, when she's walking away. Because it needs to be arbitrary tension in order for them to keep their idea going. Whereas if the character would just say, uh, I'm the Flash, and I was going to tell you anyway, don't leave, it would be solved. Same thing here. 
I feel like they could go to any of those superheroes, even if they didn't want to go to Superman, and say, we're here. This happened. We're here to help. If you need anything, if you see us, don't freak out. We're with you. You know, we're in hiding. There's some people chasing. And and things would be better on Mm. all fronts. Mm. But in order to have the story and the drama and the tension, they have chosen to do it this way. And I think in almost any circumstance, whether it's real life or story, the truth shall set you free. (laughs) Well, uh, we see. I understand what you're saying. And um, I guess it. To be able to tell a self-contained story, you need to come up with some kind of a reason, an explanation as to why these other characters aren't involved. And uh, it's not always possible to bring in the other characters logistically uh, in the comic book world, in publishing or what have you, so in TV shows. So they have to, as you say, create what seems unreasonable excuses. But uh, in this particular comic book, uh, Superman's then confronted by Blank, this white character who has these amazing abilities he uses Hank Henshaw uh, they attack him in his fortress of solitude that he's created um, it seems like this blank guy is going to be quite a, a thorn in his side yeah he looks he's, uh, you know, he seems pretty powerful mm. guy with a, a white hood who kind of looks like he's dressed as a stormtrooper but doesn't have the helmet yeah. uh, but, <laughs> but does seem powerful yeah and, and uh, scary and you scary. can use Hank Henshaw and so yeah, so. and Superman kind of set himself up for that because he's the one who put Hank there to begin with, right? right? Yeah, putting them both in the same place uh, wasn't necessarily a great idea. So, looking forward to seeing Lois and Clark continue. We do know that uh, looking forward that there is going to be more involvement from uh, this Superman meeting up with the new Fifty Two version of Superman. So, looking forward to all that coming together. And I guess it's probably a good time before we talk about the adventures of Supergirl, a digital comic book. The fact that this rebirth event is happening and that DC Comics are looking to um, shake things up, are setting things back to new number ones, except Action Comics and Detective Comics, which go, which go back to their original numbering, which means that you and I in our lifetime, well, we're not very far away, actually, will be able to see a Action Comics number 1000 happen. Great. I'm excited about that. I don't know what's going on over at DC. It's It's almost like... They popped a couple of corks and just decided to drink the whole bottle. <laughs> They're out of control over there. They don't even know what's going on. Did they plan this from the beginning? Uh, did they always know they were going to go back? I mean, my impression when it was happening was uh, that probably this wasn't going to stick, but not that they didn't want it to, just that it just didn't seem, it just seemed crazy. It seemed like it was way out there. And now, they're going to go back, and uh, and now we're doing number ones again. It's just the weirdest thing. It's like it's like they they all they, they gave some pens to some monkeys and told them to write some stories, I, I, or the idea of what they were going to do for five years, and then and then after that, it's just weird. Yeah, well, uh, D- Jeff Johns announced this. Uh, it's it's a it's going to be kicking off with this eighty page DC Universe Rebirth special that he's uh, writing, um, and there are going to be a number of titles going to be shipping twice a month. Uh, he says, at DC, we believe in superheroes and what makes them great, uh, Dan Didio says. And we also believe in the direct market and the core comics fans. Rebirth is designed to bring back the best of DC's past, embrace the stories we currently love, and move the entire epic universe into the future. We are returning to the essence of the DCU. With Rebirth, we are putting the highest priority on the direct market and will continue to create and cultivate new opportunities for retailers to thrive and prosper, grow readers, fans, and customers. So it sounds like 
they're you know a lot of people have, have complained over time that DC Comics and, and comics publishers in general seem to be looking more for the trade paperback market, the collective collected editions, and a lot of fans are just holding back, not buying the individual issues because they're just going to wait for the trade. But it seems like DC Comics are, are concentrating and are focusing on uh, the direct market and making you know making it important once again to buy individual issues. They're going to be twice monthly issues. They're going to be you know returning to some of the past DC Comics stuff that's been the best and and while embracing as he, as he says some of the current stuff that's working. I guess it's uh, it's a, a mixed bag. With Superman, we're going to be losing the Batman, Superman, and Superman Wonder Woman titles. Action Comics will continue with 957, issue 957. Um, we'll continue with uh, what Superman, a new Superman number one. There will be Superman Rebirth uh, as part of the Rebirth special. There will be a new issue, a new title called The Superman, with a hyphen between Superman. That will come out with the first new issue. Uh, there will be Supergirl Rebirth. There will be a Superwoman comic book, a Super Sons comic book, Earth 2 comic book, a Supergirl comic book, I think I don't know if I mentioned that, and a Trinity book, which will involve Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman all in the one title. So Superman's very heavily involved. It's uh, just mixing things up a bit. Okay, nine of these series will be cancelled in the first couple of months because that's just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And 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 I don't I don't understand all these new number ones of books that we already had new number ones of. And I even less understand other than the fact that it, people didn't want it to happen in the first place, going back to action number nine fifty eight or whatever the hell we're on. It's just, it's, 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 it's lunacy. I mean, people are going to be happy because they think that they're going to get back what they think they were missing or what they think they lost and what they hate about the new 52 is going to go away. And that's great. But it still doesn't make it make sense. It's like we did something. People didn't really like it. didn't really work. Sales were up for a month or two. Then they went down. Now they're way down. Um, nobody's buying Superman. Batman's still the biggest seller. Uh, we're going to try some other. We're going to add nine other Superman books. Uh, no one cares about Superman's sons. No one cares about the Superman. No one knows anything about these titles. And And – to to try and to try and produce readers that are going to suddenly buy bo- new books when they're not buying the old books and then go back to different numbering and then have other number ones i you know the idea of introducing a number one is like look at this new people can come in oh it's superman number 1 we can buy it now because it's starting over but we just started over and now we're doing it again. it's just we i'm not compl- I, i'm not even saying that i'm not looking forward to how they're going to do it uh, but it's almost setting a, pre- a precedent like, well, three years from now, we're going to have new number ones again, uh, or we're going to go back to the 49 of the new 52 and get rid of 958. Or... It's just odd. It's an odd yeah, thing. It's, 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 it is odd, and they're, not, they're saying it's not a, re- it's not a reboot. It's, uh, it's not a revamp. It's, it's a reboot. How is not a reboot if you're doing number one? <laughs> Well, because certain things are going to be sticking around, I guess. I don't know. It it does seem bizarre. I don't really fully understand it no, at no, all. No. It's the new 52. It's just a little more bizarre. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll definitely look. We'll be on top of it. We'll be checking it all out. We'll Absolutely. be keeping you posted on what's happening. We'll be I'm excited because I like, 
I like shakeups. Yeah, me too. Like, I like looking at things and seeing how crazy they got with stuff, you know? Yeah. And the new 52 launch was real exciting because things were changed, you know, and then as we got along, we realized the writing wasn't that good and the characters weren't that compelling, and now we're kind of stuck reading them. Uh, so uh, we had our thing. have some kind of a plan in place this time, and, like, they really – with action comics being set four or five years before the other Superman comics and when the new 52 was launched, it was confusing. Even up until now, none of them seem to be meshing at the same time. So, you know, we, we, we're, it's almost like a miracle when we said, oh, look how action uh, Superman number 48 moved directly into action comics number it is, 49. It's like, like, well, surprise. Uh, but uh, let's just hope they've got some kind of an actual floor plan in place on this uh, rebirth and that it's not just... Oh, let's just do it all again and throw all cards up in the air and see how they land. Well, I feel like they thought at the beginning, at least that's what they were saying, we're going to get new readers because readers, there are people who want to read Superman, but they feel so, you know, intimidated by by all the history. So let's just start it over. They realize that new readers don't care and that there are no new people looking to buy comics and that they now have to go back and reconcentrate on the people that they lost who do love comics and who do love the character of Superman and the other characters mm. and and want to read them again but don't want to read this new weird version that they don't Recognize. get. And that seems like what they're what they finally realized but it it they they just they took a crazy path to realize that. Yeah, and it's good to see that Supergirl's getting her own comic again with the success of the TV show. Uh, it's it was strange that there was no Supergirl comic book out there. Well, although, it was terrible. Yeah, I it, think was it was terrible. It was since the New Fifty Two and and a little before that too. They had relaunched twice or something, and it just didn't. It wasn't good. Mm. And the New Fifty Two version was was no good. Mm-hmm. And they did some weird stuff with her, and 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 now it's gone. And that's what happens when you. When things get too crazy and when you really don't concentrate on telling good stories, you lose readers and then you have to cancel books. I mean how many of the new 52 titles were canceled Mm. and then how many more were added and then how many of those were canceled? Mm -hmm. And now they're canceling other ones to start over again. So clearly – and I can't believe nobody got fired because it just seems like – They've realized that there have been many mistakes made and that they're losing more money than obviously they gained by doing this. Mm. As I said, Supergirl gets her own comic book and she currently does have a comic book out at the moment. It's a a digital first uh, comic book series called Adventures of Supergirl. Uh, It's written by Sterling Gates and it's based in the TV universe, based on the, the Supergirl played by Melissa Benoist on the CBS TV series. It's episodes between episodes, if you like, comic book stories between the episodes of the TV series. In this, uh, the first two digital chapters are out as of this recording. Um, uh, Chapter one was pretty much a a setup, uh, introducing people to the characters, introducing the TV show, things like that. Uh, But the the second chapter moves the plot forward. We see uh, Kara and Alex uh, looking for... Um, Rampage, this uh, orange female character that comic book fans will recognise, and uh, it's uh, it's continuing. We ha- it's like there hasn't been resolved this particular issue, but uh, this particular story. But it's Supergirl versus Rampage with Alex involved, and uh, it's cool to see comic book stories set within the TV universe of the show. Yeah, I like it. I like the idea that they're doing it. Um, the art's terrible. 
you can see some similarities mm. to the it's very like caricature ish yes. they kind of look like and it's probably very difficult on whatever time schedule they're on weekly to do really detailed uh art but it reminds me of the the adventures of superman one that was out couple of years ago that i really liked that they yeah. canceled far too early that was a weekly digital only type of a thing uh, i miss that um but it's kind of like that you know it's different artists and it's different writers but it feels very much the same way um it's these little digital panels that that open a perfect size on your computer and they're they're good for reading on an ipod or whatever and it's a quick little story it's very simple it's mostly action uh, and the characters from the show are in it. So it's, uh, you know, I'm going to give it some more looks. It wasn't terrible, hmm. um, but, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't, blown, I was hoping to be blown away by it and it, it didn't blow me away. No, no, it, it hasn't blown me away either yet, but it's great to be able to read comic book stories about these characters that we're enjoying on TV. So well done to Sterling Gates. He participated in a, an exclusive interview with the Superman homepage about the series. So if you've missed that, Look back through the uh, the news archives on the Superman homepage for uh, that recent interview with Sterling Gates. Now, before we move on to the big question segment of our show, as I mentioned at the very top of our show, February this year, 2016, is a leap year, and February 29th is actually Superman's birthday. It's a birthday that is the date that they that DC Comics celebrates. Superman's birthday. It was like one of those gimmicky things that explained why he didn't age over the years because he only had a birthday every four years. But um, look, DC Comics being a leap year, they're looking to celebrate Superman's big day by getting the fans involved and they're asking you to shoot a brief video wishing Superman a happy birthday and sharing a favourite memory or thought about the Man of Steel. You can submit your video along with your full name and the full names of anyone who you have in the video with you to the DC fans at dcentertainment.com email address. That's dcfans at dcentertainment.com. Uh, your video should be under a minute long, and there's obviously submission guidelines that you need to uh, read and consider. And all the submissions must be in by, or they must be in already. So uh, February 22nd was the date, the end of that submission. But it will be interesting to see uh, all these things collected together for the February 29th celebration of Superman's Day. Looking forward to seeing what DC Comics do on that particular day with all these videos. You know, uh, February 29th birthday, and I guess that's the official day set by DC Comics. There have been different days on different television shows, and it's been, you know, I guess in different continuities and different ideas, but uh, uh, for, the, for, 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 for comics' sake, that's the, that's the traditional idea of when his birthday was, and... Um, it's, it's cool that they're doing something, you know, uh, I guess, I guess there's also this rumor now that's going around that that's when the Batman v Superman tickets are going to go on sale, oh, uh, I heard that too. on Superman's birthday. Hmm. So yeah, it's all fun and games. Uh, looking forward to having that. Until someone loses an eye. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, February 29th, looking forward to Superman's actual birthday happening this year, which is also Michael Bailey's birthday he's a february 29th baby very cool yeah so happy birthday to michael as well all right uh, let's move on to the big question segment of our show let's start with the big question last month's big question was who has been your favorite villain on the supergirl tv series and why yeah 
Donovan Hunter wrote Maxwell Lord because he's basically the Lex Luthor of the series. Thanks again, Stephen Scotty, for all you do. Hope you both enjoy Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Thank you, Donovan. Yeah, yes, uh, I'm saying that myself. Yeah, but, you were. Uh, you were saying Maxwell Lord's like the Lex Luthor of the series. So, uh, yeah, not this the only person thinking that. Hector, he wrote in, he says, The Black Mercy, because it almost traps Supergirl in her mind forever and possibly could have killed her. Uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, the Black Mercy is not really a villain as such, but uh, it's, it's cool that Hector thinks so. Well, it was Nan, I guess, who actually released the Black Mercy, but right. certainly the idea of the Black Mercy doing what it did was one of my favorite episodes, and I thought it was done really well, so... I'm with you there. Patrick O'Neill wrote, My favorite villain on the Supergirl TV show has been Maxwell Lord. He seems to be Kara's version of Lex Luthor. Here's another one. And he pulls the part off while he's cocky and arrogant privately, almost with a god complex. But in public, he seems very likable and not someone you would suspect of doing something evil. While this is very similar to Lex, he still seems to me to be a different character in his own right, not just a Lex Luthor ripoff. Thanks, guys, and happy birthday, Superman. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. Uh, thanks again for your support, and uh, thanks for your big question submission. Absolutely. Guile Savage Jr. wrote in. He says, I really did enjoy Livewire because she was a good challenge for Supergirl and she was well portrayed. I have to admit that I am late in the series, but I buy them on iTunes because it's at the same time as Raw, Gotham, or the X-Files at the moment, and the DVR is tough to find up in north, the northern province of Quebec. Wow. So until now, Livewire is my favorite. Keep on rocking, guys. Thanks, guys. Livewire was fun to watch. Uh, So now we have a new big question, and uh, hopefully lots of more people are right in because we only had a few responses this time. But the question is, what did you think of the new and final Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice trailer? Yes, Goody and I have given our opinions, spoke about it in this episode. Now it's your chance. Get involved with the big question segment of our show. Let us know what you thought of the new and final trailer for Batman v Superman and send your submission in. We will read them out here on our podcast or you can record an audio response. Send that in as an MP3 file. All the information on how you do that is at the big question page of our website. All right, now it's time for our famous comedy sketch. Yeah, we have something from Bulgarian Animation's Marmalade Man of Steel parody. It's uh, an interesting one. It uh, was a video, but uh, it works as an audio um, sketch as well. So check it out. Here it is. We finally got you, Superman. Take him to the interrogation room. Listen to me, Lois. They will try to break me in order to get to the Codex. So take this key, which actually looks like a USB drive, but keep it safe. It's very important. Don't worry, Lois. I will save you. Okay, you stay here. Isn't it a bit risky to leave her here alone? She might turn on Terminal and manage to escape. Don't worry. To turn it on, she needs a special key which looks like a USB drive. She can't possibly have one. How about all those weapons we've left right next to her? Don't worry. She's an Earthling and knows nothing about our technology. She won't be able to use them. Do you think she gathered anything from our, you know, conversation? No way. She couldn't possibly know Kryptonian. Could she?
So there you have it. Some funny stuff uh, parroting the Marmalade Man of Steel movie. Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you have any suggestions for uh, a comedy sketch that you'd like us to play here, uh, we do need some. So please feel free to suggest anything you've heard or seen that you think will work here on Radio KAL. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman. And that's you. All right. It's the super secret soundbite time. Last month's sound came from the Superman Fleischer cartoon known as Terror on the Midway. Let's hear that one again, Steve. Sorry, old fellow. Fine thing. Ace newspaper woman scares monkey. There it is. That was the sound. And only three pe- people guessed it right. We had a number of other people trying to guess it, uh, but were incorrect in the, uh, the location of where that sound came from. And those three people were Fred Walsh, David Huang, and Donovan Hunter. So congratulations to those three guys for guessing that that sound came from the Terror on the Midway Fleischer cartoon. Very nice. Were the other submissions along the right lines? Were they like a lot of people figured they were from the Fleischer cartoons but didn't get the right title? No, or? some people thought it was from, uh, I think it was somewhere from the Super Friends. Some people thought that they were from the uh, Filmation 1966 cartoons, huh? uh, which okay. I guess because of the fact that um, uh, Bud Collier voiced the character of Superman in both the Fleischer and uh, the Filmation ones that uh, people can get confused between the two. There you go. It can happen. Okay. Well, keep here, trying, everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and keep trying because this is our new sound that we're playing. Try to guess where in the world this sound comes from in the world of Superman. I need to know you're in full control of your powers. Well, that is the sound. So if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, use the super secret sound by entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out here on Radio KAL. I know where it comes from. Do tell. It comes from Tom Welling's appearance on episode 20 of the first season of Supergirl where he plays Ultraman. Wow. <laughs> All right, time for our Superman song. Yes, our Superman song this month is Superman. Wow, I don't think we've had that title before. <laughs> By uh, CKB from their 1978 disco album, New York City Women. Here it is, Superman by CKB.
they've got it uh, just doing your groove thing, shaking shaking your your, your booty, as they say. Uh, That's uh, right. It's just just crazy the uh, the amount of songs that are out there for Superman or about Superman, and that one was just the latest that we've played here on Radio KL. But that is our show. That is the podcast for this month, February 2016. Uh, remember, if you have a topic that you think Scotty and I need to discuss, if there's a song you would like us to play, as I said, a sketch that you need us, that you'd like us to to uh, put play here on the podcast. Maybe there's a big question you'd like us to ask of the fans. Any suggestions about our show? We're only too happy to hear from you. You can use the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage to send your uh, ideas in, or you can send us an email. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com or you can email Scotty. His email address is scotty at supermanhomepage.com and we'll try to use those suggestions in a future podcast. But for now, that is our show. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve, and thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember, even if you're wearing a sequined cape and bell-bottom tights, do a little dance, make a little love, get down tonight. You've been listening to Radio KAL, proudly brought to you by Patrick O'Neill and the Superman homepage website.